welcome to mini episode 205 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Now before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you guys know that I have changed hosting provider for the podcast, which means that I'm no longer hosted by Acast, but I'm hosted by Red Circle. The ins and outs of it aren't really relevant to this, but what is relevant is that there might be some little hiccups and glitches along the way. I'm hoping there won't be. And this is the first time that I'm going to be uploading to this new platform. But if you're listening to this episode or previous episodes, and the one thing that I need from you is that if you hear an ad that is not where it should be, please drop me an email on Podcast at gmail.com. So ads on the podcast only ever come after the film review on main episodes and in between stories on mini episodes. I will never put an ad mid-sentence or in the middle of a story. Never, never, never. So if that does happen, please be aware that it's an anomaly or a mistake and send me a little email if you can. That'd be really helpful because I'm not going to be able to go back and listen to all the episodes and hear where all the ads are. And ads will also differ based on region. So you might get an ad in America that I might not get here in the UK. So please let me know if you hear any weird advert anomalies. That'd be really, really helpful. Thank you so much. Let's get cracking with the episode. I have three spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 11th of September, 2022. And story number one comes from Anonymous. I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. And I finally made it up to Louisville with some friends last night to visit Waverly Hills. I'm definitely a believer in the paranormal, but I've always been sceptical about things like this because it sometimes feels like a tourist trap and not like anything is actually happening. I went in open to whatever, not scared and not expecting to experience anything. I also didn't want to be that person who was over-exaggerating or getting a placebo effect from anyone else being scared. But most of the things that happened to me were individual. The tour started out pretty ordinary and it was just cool to hear the stories and history. I was mostly in the back with my group of friends during the tour and didn't get the heebie-jeebies or anything with my back facing the long dark hallways behind me. Then we went up to the fifth floor. This is the floor where the nurse hanged herself. Another nurse jumped off the building and I believe it's where the kids were or played most of the day. When you go up there, you are in the main room with the elevator, and then there are other rooms off to the sides and the back, including room 502. If you are facing the elevator, my friends and I were on the right side with room 502 behind us, and I was standing in the doorway of a large rec room of sorts. There was a blue rubber ball on the floor in the corner directly in front of me, It was moving. I looked at my friend who was also watching the ball while the tour guide was going on about something I didn't catch. She also confirmed that the ball was moving. It was going side to side and would randomly switch directions from forwards to backwards. It was like a kid was sitting on the ground rolling the ball, taunting us to get it or to play with them. There was a draft in the room, but there was no door to the outside. The door was on the complete opposite side of the large room and it didn't seem like the wind was strong enough to move the ball or that it even was in the direction of the way the ball was moving. This didn't happen for very long, maybe a minute or so, and the ball had stopped moving while the tour guide was still talking. Maybe the kids sensed so many people and got scared and left. It was so weird but so cool. After the tour guide finished talking, she let us look around on our own. 
I immediately went and sat in the middle of the room with another small ball and rolled it away from me. And it rolled about halfway back but in a curve. I think this was either due to the draft in the room or the floor was uneven. So perhaps both of the balls moving can be debunked. Then I went into room 502 with one of my friends. The room had a small empty area at the front and then there was a doorway to a bathroom behind. You could still see where the toilets had been or where they had been broken off. Interesting, but back to the story. I was standing with my friend in the small part of the room, in room 502, and we were just chatting about our experience so far. Then I started to get a very faint feeling of choking or like a lump in my throat. If you put your fingers on your throat and push ever so slightly, that's what it felt like, but no one was touching me. I told my friend and asked where the nurse had hanged herself and she said she thought somewhere right around where we were. I went to ask the tour guides if people ever experienced anything in room 502 and they said yes, mostly women, I am a woman, 28 years old, and that the symptoms were mostly cramps and other things but not feelings of choking. They were surprised that I felt this because they hadn't even mentioned anything about choking. They showed me where the nurse had hanged herself and it was right in front of the door to room 502, directly in front of the elevator. So not exactly where I had the feeling, but still close. So maybe I picked up a residual feeling or something. This was the only room in the whole hospital where I had this feeling. While all of this was cool, I'm still sceptical that anything that I experienced were tricks of the eye or just placebo effects. I'm thinking that I need to go back with a smaller group. We then went down to the fourth floor, and this is another hot spot of paranormal activity apparently. The tour guides split us up into two groups of 14 each, and we walked to the opposite sides of the hall. My group walked down towards the operating room. The tour guide explained that this was the part where if people walked down the hallway by themselves and stood in the middle of the hall in the places where the light was shining in through the doorways, that we could often see shadow people standing next to them. At first, I didn't really see what other people claimed to have seen, so I wasn't sure. There were three of us who went down the hallway alone, myself included. First was a man. I didn't really see much with him and thought it was just tricks of the eye. Next, his wife went down and most everyone in the group thought we were able to see something standing next to her. She mentioned that she could smell cologne and cigars while walking down but her husband wasn't wearing cologne and obviously no one was smoking a cigar. She turned to face us when she got to the middle of the hallway and it looked like there was a tall black man standing directly behind her. I could see two pairs of legs, hers and then another pair directly behind her. She also said that she felt like something was breathing down her neck. This was a very long hallway and both groups were on very opposite sides so there wasn't any way that we were seeing someone from the other group. We didn't even walk that far down from our own group, and we could only very faintly hear the other people on the other side of the hallway. Next, it was my turn. I was scared, but not terribly. I was excited for the possibility. I walked down and turned to face my group. For a minute, no one said they saw anything. Then I weirdly felt a presence to my left and jumped, but I couldn't see anything. At that exact same moment, everyone in the group, including my friends, gasped and said they saw a hunched-over lady standing next to me, with her hair falling in front of her face. 
The tour guide said this was the lady that people often saw and he equated it to the bent neck lady from the haunting of Hill House. The group was all discussing this while I was still standing in the hallway alone. This was a big nope for me and I asked if I could come back now. I noped and fast walked all the way back to my group. I love stories about Waverly Hills. It is just a place of fascination to me and so many people have had strange experiences at Waverly Hills from, like Anonymous said, balls moving around on their own and also experiences of shadow people in that particular hallway. It does make me wonder why that hallway in particular. Like, is it a case that the tour guides have... I don't know, recognised that there are good tricks of the light in that hallway. Like I know Anonymous said, look, I can't, I can't guarantee that these things really happened to me or if they were tricks of the light. Or as they very astutely said, like, is it a placebo effect because you're in a group of people who are all going expecting to see something or expecting to feel scared of a particular area? But have the tour guides recognised that like there's a, a kind of anomaly a light anomaly in that hallway that makes people see things or is it like the bloody mary effect where if you stare at yourself in the mirror for a long period of time your face does start to warp it's like a psychological thing i don't know i'm so fascinated by waverly hills but it is interesting that you know you had that choking experience in that room where the nurse was supposed to have hanged herself and it's interesting that you and your friend both watched a ball moving around on its own independently like is it an uneven floor is it a draft or is it something else when i get to waverly hills i will let you guys know and i'll report back and story number two comes from rob this is a story involving both my mum and my auntie it takes place in liverpool in the late 90s On this particular night, my mum had gone to see a psychic medium and my auntie was working a shift in the betting shop where she had worked for years, well over a decade. An important point in this story is that my auntie would walk the same route home every night after finishing work. It wasn't a long journey, maybe 20 or 30 minutes max. She was a strong-headed woman and she didn't take any crap from anyone, so she certainly wasn't afraid to walk home alone at night. On this night, like I said, my mum was visiting a psychic medium. She had been to a few of these types of events as she held a firm belief in the afterlife and the ability to be able to communicate with the spirit world. This event was the type where people paid a small fee to attend, probably 10 to 15 pounds, and it was being held in a house where the medium would call them into a room one by one and relay any messages from loved ones who have passed on. My mum's turn was going smoothly, not too dissimilar from previous medium visits and that was until around five minutes in. The medium's energy seemed to shift and the peaceful energy she emitted became uneasy. She asked, who is the dark-haired lady that works in the bookies? To which my mum replied, that's my sister. Without skipping a beat, the medium said, someone, a man, is waiting for her in the dark on her way home and you need to warn her. On hearing this, my mum immediately pulled out her phone, but it had died several hours earlier, which she had forgotten about. At that time in the late 90s, it wasn't common for everyone to own a mobile, and the people she did know at the event were friends of friends who wouldn't have had my auntie's number anyway. Her session with the medium ended abruptly there, and she left the house to rush home as she basically lived around the corner. 
She thought when she was home she could get someone to give her a lift and maybe pick my auntie up from work or catch her en route home. The event was quite late in the evening at around 9pm, so by the time my mum's turn had come around, my auntie was already normally finishing work and was heading home anyway. My mum managed to get my dad's brother to drive them to the shop, taking her usual route home, but they didn't see her along the way. And when they got to the shop, it was closed and the shutters were down. A wave of panic descended over my mum, who was starting to assume the worst by now. My dad's brother, I don't think, put too much weight into the medium's message, and he drove them to my auntie's house, back along the same route, just in case they spotted her. When they got there, my auntie was there, having only just got home herself about 10 minutes earlier. My mum was so relieved, and wasted no time in telling my auntie what the medium had said. My auntie seemed a bit taken aback by this, and when she had settled properly into her pyjamas, she revealed to my mum that something had happened to her that night. Something odd. On the walk home, she would go down a dead-end road. The type where the road ends, but there is a path for people to carry on through on foot. The road had a few houses along one side of it. Big, spaced-out houses. With an abandoned care home in the middle on the opposite side, and large trees that lined both sides of the road. It had street lamps, but because of the trees and the way the lamps were spaced apart, the road had many dark areas in between. She told my mum she had just come up to this road when she heard a voice break the silence in her head say, Don't go down there. Not like a passing thought or even a general worry, because she wasn't worried. She had done this walk hundreds of times. It was a voice speaking firmly and directly into her mind and it said, don't go down there. She stopped dead in her tracks and stared down the road. She didn't really understand what was happening and after a few seconds she brushed it off. She took a step further into the dead end road when it came again a second time but now noticeably louder and stern. Don't go down there. She stopped again, having only moved inches, and again she stared into the dark. This time she knew something wasn't right, and she turned around and went a different way home. Nothing else happened on the walk. No more voices, and actually no major worrying thoughts. The only thing she did have to think about was exactly which way she was going, as she had never taken this route. But she knew the area, so had a general idea of where to go. She made it home safely, and after hearing this, my mum almost burst into tears. She couldn't believe that my auntie had still somehow gotten the medium's message. My auntie was also a bit freaked out, after properly processing what had happened and contemplating what could have happened had she not listened to that voice. After that, she had her daughter pick her up on late finishes and when she did walk, she alternated her routes. Better to be safe than sorry, she thought. Even years after this happened, right up until her passing, neither of them knew exactly who or what this voice belonged to, but they were both very grateful for it. Oh no, shut the front door. I love stories about mediums and I love stories about when, me when mediums get it right, and that is so disturbing. I can only imagine your mom's relief after getting that message from the psychic medium and then being like, oh my god, I have to go and get her right now. And then going home and she's like, oh, I'm in my pyjamas and I'm safe and sound. That must have been such a massive relief. And I think I would do the same thing, you know, if I was at a psychic medium and I got a message like that, I think I would be like, 
I've got to go and I've got to go right now because just in case. It would always be just in case for me. Like, no, it might not be real, that's fine. But if they've given me a message about my sister, then I need to let her know. That story has seriously given me the heebie-jeebies. And it is just, I guess it's that age-old message to anyone who listens. If you are somebody who walks home late at night and walks the same route all the time, do try and alternate your route if you can. Or get somebody to come and pick you up because you just hate scaremongering like this. But you never know who's watching. You never know... You never know who knows that you make that route regularly and I don't want to be... It's it's coming up to Christmas. It's coming up to the holidays, okay? I don't want to be scaring people. But it happens and I do think that something or someone was looking out for your aunt that night. And story number three comes from Jeff and Vivian. This story is told from the perspectives of myself and my seven-year-old daughter, Vivian. Neither of us knew the other was having the experience until later. Over spring break of 2022, my family visited the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. We, well, I, but I'm not bitter, made the 13-hour, 900-miles drive straight through. We left at around 3am and I drove while everyone else slept in the car, but I'm not bitter. We listened to my daughter's favourite podcast for most of the drive. You may have heard of it. It's real life ghost stories. The cabin style resort where we stayed was made of heavy wood. The doors opened and closed with the sounds of heavy wood banging together. Everything was very solidly made. Everything except the bed in which Vivian and her twin brother slept. The mattress pulled out of the sofa in the living room. It creaked with every deep breath they took, so two kids tossing and turning all night was quite noisy. The bed was right outside the master bedroom, so my wife and I heard everything. We got there Monday afternoon and we went to bed early that night because I was exhausted. At some point in the middle of the night, I randomly woke up. This isn't uncommon for me, and as I laid in bed and processed the silence of the moment, no creaking from the kids' bed, no banging of the wooden doors... Then I heard a small child's voice coming from the foot of the bed whisper, Dad. I immediately knew it was not my kids, but because due to a combination of lack of sleep, curiosity and good manners, I responded without opening my eyes or looking in the direction of the voice. Yeah? I knew no one was there, but I'm not going to not respond to that. My response woke up my wife. I told her to go back to sleep and I rolled over, giving a quick peek in the direction of the voice. As I already knew, no one was there. I tried not to overthink the situation and just went back to sleep. So Tuesday morning rolled round and I told my wife about it. She didn't believe me. And I even texted a friend that our hotel might be haunted. The story in itself wasn't that extraordinary. So I didn't make a big deal about it and didn't tell the kids. Nothing weird happened on Tuesday. But on Wednesday... I overheard Vivian telling her brother the following. On Monday night, I woke up and saw the ghost of a little girl walk past our bed. She walked through the wall and went into mommy and daddy's bedroom. Naturally, her brother didn't believe her, but my ears perked. Without telling her what I had experienced, I got some details from her. The ghost looked to be a little younger than her, maybe five or six. She was all white and slightly translucent. The girl was wearing an old-timey nightgown with a bow around the waist and had long straight hair that looked to be blonde. She had no feet, 
but walked right by the bed without even looking at the kids. Vivian wasn't scared. The girl looked friendly enough. Vivian sat up and even got out of bed to follow the girl. She couldn't have followed too far. The bed was 10 steps at most from the wall. She didn't hear the girl speak once she was inside the room. Vivian also chose not to overthink the situation and just went back to sleep. We spent the entire week in that room and never had any other experiences. Well, the creepy old lady in the room next to ours looked like a witch's ghost, but that's another story. Jeff and Vivian, I would like to say you have very good taste in podcasts, first of all. Second of all, driving 13 hours sounds like my idea of hell. And I am very impressed that you did that in one shoot. But let me tell you, is there anything more terrifying than having a midnight happening? You know, middle of the night, you're lying in bed, you hear a voice saying, Dad, you know it's not your kids, you're thinking that's really weird. But of course, in the morning, you can just be like, oh, I was, it was you know, an auditory hallucination, it was exploding head syndrome, I was dreaming, it was my imagination, whatever. And then to have your child go, no, no, I saw a little ghost girl walk into your room. And Vivian, just want to say you sound like a very brave, very clever person that you woke up, saw the girl, decided to follow her and then went, she's walked through the wall, so I'm going to go back to bed. I'm loving your energy. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Anonymous, Rob, Jeff and Vivian for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 11th of September 2022. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. Remember, if you hear any anomalies, any ads in strange places, please do drop me an email and let me know. And that would be really helpful for me. If you would like to know more information about Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast, you can check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com and if you are desperate for extra spooky stories, you can sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. 